0: Somebody walked into this house today with fear about your circumstances. But God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Well, this morning, we're going we're gonna to finish up. We're going to conclude our bold series. And this has been a fun series. This has been a, uh, I also believe it's been an inspiring series for us. And uh, to this point, we've talked about bold statements. We've talked about amazing boldness. We talked about praying bold prayers. How many of you have been praying some bold prayers? Amen. Come on, pray big, bold prayers. And uh, then last week, we talked about bold obedience. And it's time for some of you to step out and take some big steps of obedience. Bold steps of obedience. Yes, I know that when we step out in obedience, sometimes we trigger opposition. But when we, step out in op- when we step out in obedience, we always, always trigger, we always open the door to the supernatural and the miraculous of God when we obey Him. But today we're going to bring this bold series to a close. We're going to talk today about bold speech. Bold speech or bold speaking. And... Um, Let me just give these guys a minute to get settled in here, but bold, bold speaking. We're going to talk about being bold today, being bold today in your speech. Now, I know that we live in a culture. I know we do. We live in a culture that is inundated with political correctness. You know, everybody wants to try and be politically correct you know, even, even the church, if we're not careful, sometimes being politically correct is more important than being boldly obedient to God. And, and, and so in the church, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of adopted the attitude that, you know, we're just going to be silent about some issues because we don't want to offend anybody. And, and our attitude has become, so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to be a witness with our lives, but not with our words. Now, first of all, that's a little bit of an arrogant statement to say that I can just be a witness with my life to the point that people are going to see my life and come to Jesus. Now, I hope that they do. But more times than not, this world needs more than just a witness of our lives. They also need a witness of our words. Amen. Last time I checked... A witness is all about showing and telling amen and so we're going to be a witness not just with our lives but we're also going to be a witness with our words now let me remind you how we've been defining the word bold boldness is behavior born out of belief behavior born out of belief now I've got a key thought that I'm going to give you. Sometimes I'll wait until the end of the message to give you the key thought. But this morning, I'm going to give you the key thought right up front. And I want you to write this key thought down. If you don't leave with anything else, I want you to leave with this key thought in your mind, in your heart, and in your spirit today. And that key thought is we speak boldly about what we believe deeply. All right, I'm going to say that again. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. That's why every year at this time, you Alabama Crimson Tide fans are talking about another national championship. Because you believe it deeply, you boldly speak it. Now, I wish that we Auburn fans had that kind of confidence. I really do that every year at this time we could boldly say, you know, we're gonna win another national championship this year, maybe in 25, 30, 40, 50 years. I don't know when it'll come, but maybe it'll come again. But you gotta agree with me. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. And we see that in several different places in the book of Acts. We've been looking at the book of Acts. We've been looking at chapters three, four, and five. But in the book of Acts, we see men speaking boldly because they believe something deeply. They believe so deeply about the resurrection of Jesus. And they believe so deeply that Jesus is the Son of God that they can't help but boldly speak that. In Acts chapter 9, the apostle Paul has an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Now, before that time, he was not Paul. He was Saul, and he was a persecutor. He was one of those religious leaders that would take those who believed in the resurrection and who believed that Jesus was the Son of God. Saul, the persecutor, would take them, drag them out, and, and punish them or at, at times would even kill them because of their statement of faith. But Paul is on his road to a place called Damascus to persecute Christians. And as he's on his way, he has has a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And after that encounter with Jesus, here's what the Bible says. It says, immediately, Paul began to preach that Jesus was the Son of God. And listen, there were some religious Jews who didn't like it that Paul had betrayed them and now he's preaching that Jesus is the son of God. And so they wanted to kill the apostle Paul. And so here's what happened. Some of the other disciples, they put Paul in a basket and they lower him out a window so that he could escape to Jerusalem. I mean, this is, this is some real live action adventure stuff. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 28, it says that Saul... Stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem. Speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. You go to Acts chapter 14. And Paul and Barnabas are in a city called Iconium. And they've been preaching about the name of Jesus. And about the resurrection of Jesus. And many of the Jews and Gentiles had believed. And their lives were transformed. And those Jews who did not believe began to persecute those jews and gentiles who had and they begin to stir things up and the bible said that they poisoned the minds of those jews and gentiles against paul and barnabas but look at Paul and Barnabas' response in Acts 14 and 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Wow. They continued, even in the face of persecution and threats, they continued to speak boldly for the Lord. And then in Acts chapter 4, the passage of Scripture that we've been looking at for the last few weeks. You remember we talked about it in bold prayers. That when they prayed, they prayed that God would give them greater boldness. And Acts chapter 4 verse 31 says that after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Why? Because they believed something so deeply that they could not help but speak boldly about it. The resurrection of Jesus, the fact that Jesus was the son of God, they believed it so deeply that they could not stay quiet about it. Now let me just back up a little bit in Acts chapter 4 and remind you of the setting that's going on here. Back in Acts chapter 3, you remember Peter and John, they've gone to the temple. There's a beggar there who's been crippled all of his life. Peter and John walk by him knowing that he's wanting a donation of money. But they looked at him and they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Wow. What bold words. What a bold prayer to pray over a man who's been crippled all of his life. I wonder if you saw somebody who had been crippled all their life, 40 years, if you would have the boldness, if we would have the boldness, to walk over there to them and say, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up out of that wheelchair and walk and the bible said about this guy right here that man he began to play hopscotch he was he was jumping and leaping and running and praising god and it created such a stir in jerusalem that peter and john of course are brought in before the sanhedrin they're arrested they're put in prison they're brought out and they're questioned about this miracle by what authority and whose name did you do this and they said it was in the name of jesus christ of nazareth that this man was healed. They threaten him, they send him away, but then the Sanhedrin reconvenes and they, they, this is where we're gonna pick up the story this morning. It says in Acts chapter four, verse 16, they said, what are we gonna do with these men? What, what are we gonna do with these men, they ask. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they've performed a notable sign or miracle and we cannot deny it. I'm going to tell you something. That fires me up right there because you've got a group of men here. They're saying, you know what? We don't understand this miracle. We can't explain this miracle. We don't even believe in miracles, but we can't deny. We cannot deny what has happened here today. Well, wouldn't that be great here at Summerton Church of God? If, if God began to move in that kind of way that even unbelievers began to take notice and religious folk began to take notice... And they look at it and they say, you know what? We don't understand it. We can't explain it. We don't even know if we believe it or not, but we cannot deny it. Maybe they saw somebody whose marriage was going to hell in a handbasket. And God radically saved that husband. And God radically saved that wife. And now that marriage is totally transformed. And that husband and wife that used to fight all the time, now they're just smoochy, smoochy, smoochy all over each other amen and people look at that and they say man I knew what that marriage was before I don't understand it I can't explain it but I cannot deny that something has happened in that marriage something has happened in that relationship or maybe you had a teenager who was into everything getting into all kind of trouble but then that teenager showed up to youth church one night and God radically saved them and God radically transformed their life and people look at that even the parents look at it and say I don't understand it I can't explain it but I cannot deny it because my kid is a different person that's what we want to see happen we want to see miracles at such a level that even though we don't understand it and we cannot explain it we cannot deny what Jesus has done in people's lives amen and that's what these guys said we can't deny it we may not understand it we may not be able to explain it we may not believe it but we cannot deny it. And then notice what happens in verse 17. They said, but to stop this thing, you know what this thing is they're talking about? Christianity, the expanding of the kingdom of God. They said, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer in this name. Notice, they won't even say the name. But let me tell you the name they're talking about. They're talking about Jesus. Oh, somebody say the name of Jesus with me this morning. Jesus. Come on, let's say it again. Jesus. Come on, one more time. Jesus. Oh, it almost makes me want to say, give me a J, give me an E, give me an S, give me a U, give me an S. Jesus. Amen. So we don't ever want you to speak any longer in this name. But look at verse 18. Then they called them in again, Peter and John, and the other disciples, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? Come on, religious folk, tell me. This is what they're saying. you the religious people. You're the one that believes in God but don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. So tell me, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him, you be the judge. And, and then listen to what they said. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And when you look at that phrase, cannot help, it, it comes from a Greek word, and that word literally means impossible. In other words, they're saying it's absolutely impossible. For us to not speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. We have seen him after his resurrection. We have heard him speak personally to us since his resurrection. And, and so we cannot be silent about what we have seen and about what we have heard. Now, now, now you, you, you understand that. You understand that. It, it, it's, it's even as simple as something as a movie you went to that you liked. You know, when you come out of that movie, guys, you know, you come out of this movie and there's all kind of cars blowing up and, you know, there's there's just all kind of action in this movie and you come out of that and you're like, dude, that was the best movie I've ever seen. And and when you see your buddies, you say, you got to go see this movie. It was awesome. 45 cars got blown up. One guy, one guy defeated a whole village all by himself. (laughs) Or you ladies, you know, you go to that chick flick, you know, that has all that romance in it. And you're like, man, you, you should have you seen this movie. It, was like, it looked like their relationship was over. But then Tom Cruise he comes walking into the room. And, man, he just says the most beautiful things. And then Renee Zellweger looked at him and said, you had me at hello. I know, I know I'm dating myself there. That's a little old movie. But you know what I'm talking about. You see those movies. And you're, you believe so deeply in what you saw that you tell others. It's like that when you go to a restaurant that you like, and they had really good food, and they had really good service, and you come out of there, man, like, that was awesome. And you tell your friends about this restaurant. And you tell them how, how good the service was. You drive down the road, and you got your radio on, and you hear a song, and you're like, man, that's the most awesome song. That, that overwhelming love of God chases me. It overwhelms. I mean, you talk about the, the, the love of God, the song. You hear songs and you just can't, you can't wait to tell somebody else about that song that you've heard. You're bold because you believe deeply. And we all understand what that's like, that we believe in something so deeply. We've seen it. We've heard it. That we want other people to know about it. And that's what the apostles, that's what the disciples are doing here, man. They've experienced so much. They've heard so much that their life has been so transformed that they can't be silent. Even if they wanted to be silent, they couldn't be silent about what Jesus had done in their life. And so this morning, I just want to talk to you a few minutes here as, as, as we get ready to prepare our hearts for communion together this morning. I just want to share a few things with you today about bold speaking and bold speech. And the first thing that I want to share with you is this. And that is because I believe so deeply, I can't help but speak boldly to myself. Because I believe so deeply, I cannot help but speak boldly to myself. 1 Samuel chapter 30. David has come back to a city called Ziklag. Ziklag. After leading his army on an expedition, they come back, and when they get back to uh, to, to, to Ziklag, they they, they find out that the city has been burned and their wives and children have been taken captive by the Amalekites. And David's men, men who had put their life on the line for him, they begin to get discouraged and distressed and depressed, and they begin to talk about stoning David. And we pick it up in verse 6, that David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David, look at this, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know, there's going to be some times when it seems like everybody else has forsaken you and everybody else has turned against you, that you've gotta learn how to preach to yourself. You've got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord When nobody else is speaking encouraging words to you When everybody else is wanting to stone you When everybody else is wanting to disassociate with you You've got to learn how to preach boldly to yourself I've I've had to learn to do that myself sometimes When I get weary in the ministry And I have to just start preaching to myself Don't grow weary in doing good, Victor Massey Because if you just continue to do good You shall reap a harvest If you faint Not if you won't grow weary And remind yourself Victor Massey It's not by might And it's not by power But it's by my spirit saith the Lord And remind yourself Victor Massey That they that wait upon the Lord He shall renew their strength They shall mount up with wings like eagles They shall run and not be weary They shall walk and not faint Sometimes you just gotta preach to yourself And some of the best messages I've ever preached Were messages that I preached to myself I preached so good, I took myself an offering. Now, that's some good preaching when you take yourself an offering. It wasn't a very good offering at that, too. But because I believe deeply, sometimes i got to speak boldly to myself. Look at your neighbor and tell him you didn't know you had a preacher inside of you. You've got a preacher inside of you. And you need to learn how to preach to yourself. Sometimes you just need to go T.D. Jakes and Stephen Furtick all over yourself. Just preach to yourself. Amen. Here's a second thing. Because I believe so deeply, I can't help but encourage you. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Encourage one another daily. As long as you call it today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now notice what he says there. Two things that we need to notice. First of all, he says encourage one another. And then how often did he say do it? He said encourage one another daily. Not just on Sunday. And yes, we should encourage one another. Before you leave this place today, if you haven't, you need to find somebody and you need to encourage them. You need to speak some words of life over them, but not just on Sunday. You need to get up on Monday and find somebody to encourage. And then get up on Tuesday And find somebody to encourage And get up on Wednesday And find somebody to encourage And Thursday and Friday and Saturday We are to encourage one another daily Why? Because we need daily encouragement from one another Especially more that we see the day of the Lord approaching The return of the Lord approaching Because things could get more difficult Things we could get to a place Possibly where we're facing the kind of persecution That these disciples and apostles We're facing so they would come together and they would encourage one another don't quit don't give up don't let fear overtake you remember God's not given us a spirit of fear but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind and somebody needed to hear that this morning because somebody walked into this house today with fear about your circumstances but God says I've not given you a spirit of fear but a power and of love and of a sound mind somebody walked into this building here today with worry in your heart worried about something but don't you know what Philippians 4 6 and 7 says don't worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition present your request to God and the peace of God the peace of God not the peace of the world but the peace of God will which transcends all human understanding we can't comprehend it but the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus A mama that's here this morning that's sick and tired of dishes and diapers and domestic duties. I just gave you a three-point outline right there. I want to say to you this morning, you might be getting weary, but all things are possible to them who will just believe. We need to encourage one another in the Lord, and we need to do it on a daily basis. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor right now and say something good to them? Why don't you say something life-giving to your neighbor right now? Amen. Encourage. Encourage. I told my son, I have two sons, and as my boys were growing up, I knew that they were packed with potential. And so on a daily basis, Jamie and I would speak encouraging words over our children we told our oldest son who won a Grammy for, for Christian songwriting several years ago. We told him when he was like 14, 15 years old, son, one day, you are such an amazing songwriter. You're going to write a song and you're going you're to win a Grammy award. You're going you're to win a dove award. We would encourage him. He was the most bashful, shy kid growing up. When we would go and preach, we were traveling at that time, and when we would go and preach at other churches, my, my youngest son, Caleb, he is truly a Caleb. He's a give-me-this-mountain kind of kid. And when we walk into a church, he would say, give me Children's Church. Where is Children's Church? I'm taking over Children's Church. But our oldest son would stay right at our side. He would never leave us. And I said, son, listen, one day you're going to lead worship before thousands of people. God is going to use you to lead people into the presence of God. Thousands. Oh, Daddy, No. No, no, no. At 16 years old, he became my worship pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, and he would lead before hundreds every week. He would then go to Lee University, and he would be the worship leader at Lee University Chapel. Then he would be hired by Pastor Jensen Franklin at Free Chapel, where he would get up every week and lead thousands of people in worship. He's now the worship leader at Church of the Highlands here in Birmingham. He leads worship at Forward. He leads worship in motion. His songs have gone out in front of thousands, and even millions of people. Why? Because of encouragement. You don't ever know the power of your words. Speak words of encouragement over one another on a daily basis. Amen. And then here's a third thing. Now listen, this one's not going to be so easy and so fun. But because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lovingly correct And really, that should be all of our heart. That when we see somebody that we love making a wrong choice because I believe so deeply about what God has to say about what is right and what is wrong, I'm not going to stand idly by and quiet and let somebody walk themselves to destruction. I'm not going to do that. That's not love. That's not a friend. If you love them, if they're a friend to you, then when you see them making a bad choice contrary to God's word, you're gonna speak up but you're gonna do it lovingly. You're not gonna be a jerk. How many of you know there's too many, let me put it this way, there's enough jerks in the body of Christ. We need some people who know how to lovingly correct one another. You know, the Bible, people say, well, the Bible's a sword and sometimes a sword cuts. The Bible was never meant to be used as a sword against brothers and sisters. It's a sword to be used against the enemy. So remember that, gentlemen, the next time you look at your wife with that Bible in your hand and say, you need to just sit down and shut up and submit to me because that's what the Bible says. No, that's being a jerk. I expected a little better amen, ladies. I really did. And listen, ladies, neither, listen, ladies, neither are we going to stand by. When you keep bashing your husband, talking about what a spiritual leader he is not, that he's nothing more than a knot on a log, Are we going to sit by, not when we see the purpose and the plan and the call of God in his heart and in his life and what he could be for the glory of God and bashing him and discouraging him is never going to bring the greatness out of him. It's when you begin to speak words of life and you begin to speak words of respect and you begin to speak words of honor. You see, because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lovingly correct you. Lovingly. And listen, listen, we do that not because we're better than one another. We do it because we believe so deeply in what God says is right and wrong, that we must speak boldly because we love you. We want to save you. We want to save your marriage. We want to save your family. I had a guy come to me when I was in Atlanta. I did his wedding ceremony. He and his wife, standing before People and God and making a covenant with one another for better, for worse, richer, poorer, sickness, health, till death do us part. Had three children now, and he decides that he's gonna take up chasing this young skirt. I mean, let's just say it like it is. And I brought him into my office. First thing I asked him was, what in the world are you doing? I was there the day that you made a covenant before people and before God that you were going to love that woman for better or worse, richer, poorer, sickness, and health till death do you part. And I'm not going to stand idly by. And watch you destroy your marriage and what you destroy your children... And what you destroy, your family. No, I'm going to intervene, and I'm going to intervene big time, and I'm going to do it because I believe deeply in the Word of God, and I believe deeply that when you and your wife were going through premarital counseling with me, that we all heard from God that this was a marriage that God had ordained, and what God has joined together, you don't let anything or anybody tear it apart in Jesus' name. And I looked at him and said, I'm going to fight for this marriage, I'm going to fight for you, I'm going to fight for this family, and thank God it knocked some sense into him, not me. But hopefully the Holy Spirit knocked some sense into him and he went back home a different man and apologized to his wife and apologized to his children and God restored that marriage and it became one of the strongest marriages and family that I ever had the opportunity to work with. See, sometimes you gotta love somebody enough to speak up. Folks, listen to me. Staying silent is not going to fix anything. You've got to learn to speak up if you love somebody. You've got to learn to head off destruction. Yes, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is destruction. And if you love them enough and you believe deeply enough, then you're going to boldly speak in a loving way. And again, not because you're better, but because you believe deeply. In what God's Word says somebody ought to just give God a praise right there right there and while, I, while I'm on this subject you do know don't you that if you're living in offense and I don't know why the Holy Spirit is taking me here right now or if you know of somebody who is living in offense you do understand that there is a biblical process to mend those old fences. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18 that if a brother or sister has offended you or you have offended a brother or a sister and it's come to your attention, the Bible says that you individually are to go to that individual. Listen to me. Not everybody else telling them what they did to you or what they said to you But you're to go to that individual. Can you imagine? Most issues can be resolved right there between two individuals and nobody else even has to be brought into it. That's what God was trying to do with this process is protect. But here's what he said. He said if you go to them and you try to make them aware and this is from my perspective as a pastor that if somebody is living publicly contrary to the Word of God, I'm to go to them individually. I'm to confront them. If they continue to do it, secondly, what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to get two or three of the elders in the church to go with me to confront again. And then if they still refuse, now listen to me. This is what the Bible says. This is love. This is, this is not to, to, to humiliate or any, anything of that nature. But the Bible says, if, if, if they didn't listen when one went, and they didn't listen when the elders went, then you bring them before the body. And you say before the body, we've done everything we can. There's nothing more that we can do. And Paul even talked about it. That's when you turn them over to the enemy. Praying. That the consequences of their bad choices will at some point bring them to their knees and back to God. Do I like that process? I'm not crazy about that process. But it's not me. It's the Word of God. That's what the Word of God says. And if we love people, then we can't help but lovingly correct them. And then here's the final thing this morning. Because I believe so deeply, I can't help but lead you to Jesus. Pastor, that is so politically incorrect today to go out talking about your faith and to talk about Jesus. But listen, I feel the same way that those disciples did. When they said, as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. You're looking at a man that hasn't always been who he is today. You're looking at a man that when he was younger had some issues in his life. Some issues in my life that when I was a junior, I shared a little bit of this with the kids the other day, and Tanya, you can go ahead and come. But when I was a junior in high school, it was the most miserable year of my life. I became depressed, I became suicidal, I did not want to live. I even attempted to take my own life because I was miserable. I felt I had no purpose, I felt I had no plan, I had no joy, I felt I had no future. That year, my junior year, I failed four out of six subjects, 20-something F's on my report card that year. Had to go to summer school just to make up enough classes so that I could move on to my senior year. My life was a mess. My life was a wreck. And I've told you the stories of how when I was like 12, 14 years old riding my bicycle through the woods and found this big garbage bag full of pornographic magazines that began a struggle in my life. So I've not always been the man that you see here on this stage today. That's why I cannot be silent about what I've seen and what I've heard. Because Jesus has transformed my life. And I'm a different person than I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. Amen. I have purpose. God has a plan for my life. I live life to the fullest with joy. I'm free. And he who the sun sets free is free indeed. So listen to me, like the disciples, it is impossible for me to stay silent. That's why I have to tell you, that's why I have to tell others about Jesus. Jesus. Because you see, love came down and rescued me, love came down and set me free. I'm yours, Lord. I'm forever yours, Lord. Mountain high or valley low, I sing out because of the transformation that's taken place in my soul. I am yours. And that same Jesus, I can't stop talking about him. He can transform your life. He can change your life. He can change your marriage. He can change your emotion. He can give you a garment of praise for a spirit of depression and heaviness. He can bring beauty out of ashes. That's who Jesus is. That's why I can't stop talking about him. It's impossible. You cannot shut me up. And I feel like the disciples this morning you can threaten me you can beat me you can even take my life but the whole time I'm dying I'll be proclaiming the name of Jesus I'll be speaking the name of Jesus I will not remain silent in order to be politically correct I will lift up the name of Jesus my savior my redeemer my deliverer my healer my King of Kings, my Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. I can't help but talk about him. I can't help but praise him. I can't help but worship him. Oh, I can't help but preach about him. We want you to come and join us here at Summerton Church of God. God is doing some amazing and miraculous things, and we want you and your family to be a part of that. We are eliminating the darkness in this community by being light.